0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of HR Works COVID 19 Update. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to join us. I am the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. Uh, last week, we began to talk about some of the legal implications of the coronavirus, uh, how to avoid lawsuits from uh, your employees based on coronavirus events, uh, and, and really the importance of due diligence. Uh, this week, we have Kim Moore. Back with us, she's a employment lawyer. We're going to discuss more details like temperature testing, coronavirus tests, uh, antibody tests, and things like face masks. What can you do? What can't you do? Uh, and what are what are the logistics behind some of that stuff? Kim Moore is a member of Clark Hill in Collin County, Texas. Uh, she has been pragmatically solving employers' problems for almost 25 years. She's board-certified employment lawyer with an MBA. An extensive experience in and out of the courtroom. She is passionate in achieving the client's goals and non-compete, theft of trade secrets, discrimination, harassment, retaliation, and wage and hour matters. Kim genuinely enjoys her work, particularly understanding each client's business and its people. Kim serves as the member in charge of the firm's Collin County office. She is also a AAA trained mediator. She uses her knowledge to help parties resolve all types of conflicts. Kim, thank you so much for joining us again today.
1: Thanks, Jim. I enjoy being here.
0: I I want to start digging into some of the things that we think might be helping now, and that's wearing masks, that's social distancing, um, to some cases, screening people uh, for their temperature, which is a mixed bag because plenty of people can transmit the disease without having a, a, a fever. But, you know they sort of suggested that people that are really actively sick and have a fever are spreading more virus than others. And then um, there's also, what is the other thing? Testing. Testing, exactly. Uh, testing, and there's two kinds of tests, so many of which are not as effective as they should be, but that's like the coronavirus test and then the antibody test. Do Can you walk us through the legality of of the and maybe the difference between recommending those things to your employees and then requiring them which ones can you and can't you
1: Yeah let's let's unpack those a little separately because we're talking about different levels of things and they have different ramifications legally so let's 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 first start with what I'm going to call the more procedural things the the things that are easier for employers to recommend and require the the things like you're going to put the sanitizer out. You're going to have rules about hand washing. You're going to have rules about we're going to remove the the this this the common areas. You know, we're not going to have people congregating here. We're not going to have chairs all together you know we're going to require people to wear masks in common spaces and if we see someone that's not complying you know we may have various rules of how we're going to handle that we're going to talk to people we might even write people up for that those are what I'm going to call sort of rules of the game and if em- employees aren't complying with those those are going to be in my mind disciplinary things like we would have handled other disciplinary things in the workplace prior to Coronavirus, um, th- those are things we're going to require as employers, and we can do that because we're especially if we do it across the board for everybody. We treat everybody equally. Those are new rules that we're going to require in the workplace. We can do that because it doesn't single anybody out. It's treating everybody equally. It's it's what we're going to require, and it and it's to keep everybody safe. It's just a level playing field. So to me, those are pretty easy to implement and um, don't require uh, us to examine legally a whole lot. Um, Right. So let's get into a little bit more of the ones that that require a little more legal examination. And the reason they require a little more legal examination is because they start getting into the Americans with Disabilities Act um, and that's where the EEOC's come out both in March and in April, with, with clarification guidelines about what you can and cannot do as an employer with regard to testing. Because both a, uh, taking somebody's temperature is considered a medical test under, under the Americans with Disabilities Act, and as is either testing somebody for the coronavirus, and we're going to talk about specifically what that means, uh, or requiring a test for the coronavirus. As is, you got to be a little bit careful about asking people about their symptoms. And so, the reason that employers need to be careful about what they ask is because, depending upon the questions you ask, you could be eliciting answers about somebody's condition, which substantially limits a major life activity under the Americans with Disabilities Act. And so, you don't want to ask certain kinds of questions about, you know, you have an immune compromised system. Instead, you want to say, you know, are you experiencing flu-like symptoms? Do you, you know, do you have a cough? Things that you can just ask, you know, where people can just say yes or no, you know, do you have flu-like symptoms? Yes or no. You're not trying to get into eliciting additional information that you may not want. Right. Um. The EEOC came out and said, while normally employers should not medically test unless there's business necessity or direct threat, a pandemic could be a direct threat because someone could be ill and someone could be coming into the workplace. And so a pandemic could be a direct threat. And so we understand why you might want to take a temperature. All right. Back to your point, though, Jim, the temperature is only so good, right? It gives you a moment, a yeah. point in time. And with this particular COVID-19, a temperature may or may not give you the information you want. Uh, that said, we know that a lot of folks are taking temperatures every time you go to the doctor, or every time you go certain places, they stop you, they take your temperature. It's kind of a rite of passage. Employers can take temperatures, they just need to be careful. They need to make sure they're going to do this across the board. They're not spreading germs when they do it. And importantly, if they take temperatures, they can't disclose the confidential information to others when they do so. They got to keep that information private. Um, Mm. I, I think the best way I've seen to do it is to actually get a thermal camera that takes. A photo of people who have more than a whatever you want, 100, 101, whatever your threshold's going to be, it sends the information to HR, and so you only retain the information of somebody you think might need to be sent home. Um, that, that's about the best way I've seen to do it.
0: Um, that's good advice.
1: Yeah, I like that as just sort of a pragmatic matter. I've had HR people call me and say, I've been taking temperatures for four hours every day and i don't want to do it anymore how do we do this? In a, <laughs> how do we do this in a contained manner or if i leave a thermometer out there how do i make sure it's not contaminated so you know pragmatic things that are problems if you're if you're trying to and then you've got what do you do with the information you make people record it you you keep that in a, a separate medical file it's kind of a procedural nightmare if you want to try to do that every single day. Um, so you can do it. You got to think about the procedures if you're going to take temperatures. Um, I think the one of the interesting things then is if we if we move to the testing. Uh, the EEOC came out and said employers, again because a direct threat may be able to COVID virus test. Um, again, the question on that is some of the logistics, if, if employers really want to do that, um, a client called and said, does that mean we set up a tent? Does that mean we hire a nurse? I mean, there's a lot of questions about that. Does that mean we send everybody to a a testing facility if we want, if we want real information? Um, and, and I think a lot of that's also dependent upon what kind of business you are. The guidelines from the EEOC seem, seem to indicate that does not include an antibody test. They haven't been specific in it, but the way the regs have come out, um, most of the experts agree that it, an antibody test, because of the way it says, to detect the presence of the virus, it doesn't talk about the existence of the having had the, the virus.
0: And, and then there's concerns where, like, let's say you get um, a bunch of negative results from antibody tests uh there's been some instances where the tests only detect like a large viral previous viral load or a large number of antibodies so someone could have had it or still have it and come back negative on the antibody test and then everybody thinks that person's safe um which i think you know i don't know about the legal issues but that certainly opens you up to a a threat nothing worse than thinking that everybody's cool when somebody has it
1: well, correct. And and then we now, I think, believe that just because someone's had it doesn't mean that they cannot either, to your point, still have it or get it again. Yeah, A- And so we're in that conundrum of what do you do with the information once you have it?
0: Yeah, it's an important question. And it's just one of those things that, you know, they've been studying the reinfection It doesn't seem like it's a thing that people that have had it are getting it again. But, you know, the fact that so many people don't have symptoms means that it's possible that people that are getting reinfected uh, aren't getting sick, but can still spread it. There's just a lot of possibilities. And uh, acting like we know the answer to that one is dangerous.
1: Well, and we're back to the, I think the direct threat analysis is sort of the point that the EEOC is making, and that is having had the virus doesn't pose the direct threat. Having a virus might pose the direct threat, which is why it might be acceptable under the Americans with Disabilities Act for the employer to test for the virus.
0: So I kind of want to switch over a little bit to the whole idea of sending people home, it's my understanding that even under regular circumstances, if someone is visibly sick, you can send them home. Is that true? That's true. So what are there any situations? You know, there's going to be a lot of different situations that arise. So, There's going to be people that don't want to wear masks. Maybe they have a good reason. Maybe they don't. Um, and like you said earlier, you have to be careful about getting people to disclose uh underlying conditions someone might have a real reason not to wear a mask um but you know you don't want to say like do you have do you have some sort of disease or something that makes it so you can't wear it uh at the same time we and we've been seeing we've been seeing a lot of public conflict over this issue um there's going to be people that don't want to come back no matter what uh, with masks with equipment they don't feel comfortable Um, I'm, I happen to be one of those people and, uh, you know, there's going to come a point where employers are going to be like, well, it's time everyone has to go back. And some people are going to choose not to, especially if they've been working from home and don't see much of a reason to return. So I guess the question is, uh, under which, which kinds of employee defiance, uh, can comfortably result and termination or other disciplinary action? And in which ones are employers' hands kind of tied?
1: Those are great questions. So let's talk about your mask scenario for a second, because there, you're, I think you're correct. There are situations in which someone might have a condition which substantially limits major life activities, a breathing condition, for example, where wearing a mask isn't because they don't want to, it's because they really can't. Um, and that might be a situation in which an employer needs to accommodate a real, uh, a real disability, and and figure out a different way in which that employee could return to work safely and still breathe. You know, so there there may be some there may be some discussions that have to happen in certain situations, and it's not just because of someone not just. You know, it's uncomfortable. It makes me hot. Whatever. It, it's just there's there may be legitimate reasons why you have a conversation like that. With regard to your overarching question, there's going to be a lot of these, and there already are some. There are people who just have COVID fear. You know, it's it's the numbers are rising. You know, they're rising in Texas where I am, and yeah. I don't want to return to the office. Now, if the, the, the agencies, if you will, are encouraging employers to work with employees as long as possible. If you can be efficient, you can work from home, you can do it, you know, let's, let's, let's try to work this out as much as we can. Some, in some situations, the job can't be done efficiently remotely. And if it's just a fear, or somebody just doesn't want to return to the office, those are situations where employers may have to, to put some ramifications in. You know, I need you back here. If the employee does have real legitimate reasons why he or she can't return to work, that's where the conversation needs to, to happen. You know, there may have to be some uh, accommodations. There may be you know, reasons for the leave acts that come into place, you know, whether it's because there's a child in place or someone they're taking care of, whether it's because they have symptoms um, or because they have a, uh, a compromised immune system. But in the old days, when people just didn't want to come to work, employers could, you know, terminate them. And that still applies if that's the reason. Um but that we've got to we've got to have conversation around is that really the reason?
0: Right, establishing that could be very difficult, especially since employees don't have to give reasons, right? Um,
1: yeah. yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a little bit of a dance for a bit.
0: Yeah, you know, and it's it's one of those things, you know, because I've uh, fortunately our organization has been very reasonable, and they haven't even begun to, begun discussing sending people back and I'm in Connecticut, you know, we have some of the lowest levels in the country, you know, and we're just kind of waiting for it. You know, the meanwhile, you know, like you've mentioned, I don't think that there's been any drop off in my ability to work just because I'm not in the office. If anything, it's better for me for so many reasons. Uh, namely like, I don't have to travel to work, which is a huge waste of my life. And, uh, It just gives you a little bit of extra time. It's nice. Like there's something that's very nice. (laughs) And that's part of the reason I want to stay home. And the other part is I don't really feel like getting sick and dying. I got sick at work. I can't even tell you how many times. And everybody does. It's a topic we talk about every year for flu season. You're in an office. You're going to get sick. People are going to come in because they feel like they have to when they're feeling ill. Uh, They're not going to, they're going to, you know, maybe stay home for a day when meanwhile they're sick and contagious for a week. It just happens, you know, and you remember those situations when you're, when you're contemplating going back. And like, I, you know, part of me is saying like, I don't, I don't want to go. I'm not going to go back. It's not worth it. And if I'm feeling that way, so are a hell of a lot of other people. And it's creating a situation where, you know, remote work was once a nice thing that some people had. And now it's becoming a thing that I think we've kind of, a lot of us proven that for those of us that can work from home, there's really no reason for us to return. So why, why go back?
1: And I think it's going to change the way the world works. I think those of us who have jobs where we can work remotely may end up after all of this working remotely, more frequently. And it may mean we take less commercial real estate. It may mean we don't have a set office at the office, but we have a space we can come to when we need to. Right. I think it's going to, and to your point, in order to attract attractive employees, it may mean we have to be more flexible to your point. If, if somebody wants to retain someone like you, it may mean that that's something that you look for in your employment. Um, I'm, I actually entirely agree with you. I didn't think I would like it. I really like it. I I like the ability to walk ten feet into my <laughs> dining room and get started. So it's it's attractive. I can I'm I'm quite efficient, and it's it, it's become something that the realization is like I can really do so much sitting right here. And the days I need to go and do something, I can I can make that work.
0: Yeah. And there's, you know, a lot of the things I know we're getting kind of off topic from employment law con- issue, but a lot of the things that, that experts have been talking about the value of are available at home that aren't available at work, um, like well-being and life, life work balance, like eating healthy. You know, when I'm at work, if I didn't remember to bring something healthy, I have the vending machine as an option. And for a break, I can't go leave the... Workplace to go to like a restaurant or something and get something healthy. So, just that one thing alone, like now my snacks are better. They're better snacks. When I have free time or I need to take a break, it's not just like going in the break room or maybe walking around the building. It's like I can go work in the garden or I can go outside or I can talk to my wife or whatever it is. You know, so those now the breaks are better. there's less transportation. Every single thing that, that they've been talking about, like trying to f- get office workers to do for the overall health of the of the mental and, and physical health of the, the office workers is now being sort of automatically taken care of at home. And it's just, it's interesting, you know?
1: No, I agree with you. Instead of spending time on Facebook, I actually prepare a meal for my family. and And that is far more rewarding.
0: Yes, yes, absolutely. Well thank you again so much for taking the time to join us today.
1: Well I enjoyed it very much, Jim. You take care.
0: Thank you. Listeners, please check back next week for the next episode of HR Works COVID-19 update. You can always follow us on Twitter at Works Podcast. Feel free to let us know how we're doing. If you have any suggestions or thoughts, or if you just want to say hi, that's a good place to do it. Thank you for listening. This is Jim Davis with HR Works.